This podcast may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. Keep in mind that what you hear on Cold Truth, it is subjective. It is based on the perceptions of myself, the interviewees, and what is available to us, the public. We are not law enforcement. We are not prosecutors or judges. They are the ones, the only ones, that are tasked with the responsibility of serving out justice. My goal is to tell these stories to the best of my abilities and to gather as many facts backed up by documentation as I can. And if I cannot, and it is speculation or a scenario that I am discussing, you will know it. We can only truly understand the series of unfortunate events that led to the killing of Ray and Nicole if we look at the series of events that led to the decisions of each of the alleged suspects on what is contributing factors and what are not and why people do what they do. News article written by Dave Bangert, JC, online on May 23rd of 2019. This is a quote. Kurtz, who was initially arrested April 1st for resisting law enforcement in neighboring Jasper County on Thursday, was still in the Newton County Jail held without bond. From this same article, quote, But the court documents filed in Kurtz's case indicated that police had already interviewed people who were in the trailer the night Mike Bowen was killed by the time they interviewed him. Starting with Jasmine Parker, because of what we read in that article about them having already talked to some of the other people that were present in that trailer. Jasmine N. Parker, she's 34 years old. She was arrested on Tuesday, April 2nd of Kentland. Her address, 1400 South at that time. It was only 4.2 miles from where Cole's body was found. She does appear to have grown up around the area of Kentland, Goodland area, Benton, Indiana, per my case. Again, they don't go on there until they're 18. First charge, March 10th of 2004. She started out pretty big. Tippecanoe County, Class B felony for burglary, residential entry, theft, taking a child or endangering adult to nuisance, possession of marijuana, possession of a controlled substance, Substance, possession of a controlled substance, possession of paraphernalia. Jasmine was charged with three felonies in total, three criminal misdemeanors, or at least that's what she was sentenced upon throughout her cases. And then Jasper County, felony six. Her address is listed as the DOC in Plainfield. She is charged 7-20 of 2018 for possession of methamphetamine, unlawful possession of a syringe, possession of paraphernalia. I do want to mention that her court-appointed attorney is Lori S. James, who is now Ashley Garth's attorney. On 9-11 of 2018, she fails to appear. Then there is a warrant. She is to be held without bond until she is brought before the court. She receives a sentence of 547 days with jail credit of 67 days, suspended 480 days, you do the math, pursuing a plea agreement. April 10th, 
2019, a petition to revoke was filed for violating probation. I'm assuming that would be for her involvement in Nicole's case. February 13th of 2020, the defendant is ordered to serve balance of sentence, the same being 413 days consecutive to sentence now being served by defendant in Indiana Department of Corrections. Said sentence to be served in Jasper County Jail as previously ordered. Consecutive means that they, because you can have a concurrent, which your sentences run concurrently, meaning at the same time you're serving a sentence for this case, you got one year for another case, and you're allowed to serve those all in the same year. Consecutive means one right after the other. That's good news. If it means what I think it means... She will be going to jail after she gets out of the Indiana Women's Prison for, what is that, almost 14 more months. So hopefully that means that that's making her measly five-year sentence at least a six-year sentence. On Jasmine Parker's Facebook timeline, a few things of note. On June 28th, of 2018 she posts pictures it appears her with her children and it says quote they were adopted out today f cps f the cops f all of you get smart and i'll kill you all she seems sweet on september 28th of 2018 she posts a picture of herself and it says i'm free bitches cut my hair off too and just a lot of her posts are memes again they seem to enjoy memes as a way of expressing their emotions or personality one is sometimes my greatest accomplishment is just keeping my mouth shut go hard or go home bitches i always go hard on november 13th of 2018 she posts i got a job she was working at the kfc in remington having a warrant is basically like adult hide and seek my loyalty is something you never have to question i ride for mine whether it's a friendship or a relationship a hundred percent some people just drain the effing nice right out of you stop asking me what i do for fun illegal shit now leave me alone got a new job court dismissed my case and today's the oldest boy's birthday. December 19th, 2018. Court could have went better, but I'm not locked up. On December 29th of 2018, she says, still looking for roommate, 400 a month. January 20th, 2019. Today's mood, F around and find out. We've heard that one before. January 20th, meme. I forgave people. I should have beat the F up. Another one, same day. My mama didn't raise a fool. A effing psycho, maybe, but no fool. And then we get to March 29th of 2019. She was busy this day. The post says, hmm, what to do? It is four pictures of herself. March 29th, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Wow. And then on March 29th of 2019 again, she starts resharing a post from one of her friends. It says, hmm... And it is a octagonal sign. It says, stop snitching. 
and there are some names that were written on it. They have not been mentioned in the investigation at all. Post that her friend had made, he made it early March. Same same day, March 29th, the meme says, smell like breakups and warrants outside with some laughing emojis. 29th, fun fact, you ain't shit, bitch. Another one of interest on March 29th at 10.36 p.m., once us brown-eyed bitches step into the sunlight, it's over for you blue-eyed hoes. Again, she shares the stop snitching sign. Again, she shares the stop snitching sign. And again, and again, and again. Who's trying to do shit tonight? She shares the stop snitching sign again on March 30th. And again. And the very last one is April 1st of 2019, and it is a picture of herself. Very lovely girl. Who was she not wanting to snitch, and for what? She shared the stop snitching sign eight times between the 29th and the 30th. And then my favorite on the 29th, at the end of the day, it is what it is. I think that pretty much sums up her remorse. Ashley N. Garth, born on May 5th of 1992 from Delphi. Ashley was arrested on April 3rd of 2019, which was a Wednesday, for her role in Nicole's murder. She was formally charged on April 5th of 2019, which was a Friday, for her role in the murder of Nicole Bowen. Her first charge, January 7th of 2010, she was charged with a criminal misdemeanor of minor in consumption. Pretty straightforward. You know, when you're looking through things, you find things that don't necessarily lead you anywhere with what you're looking into as far as the criminal case you're covering. But sometimes you uncover other little details. And I'll be really upset if this whole entire episode, that's all that anyone talks about. March 14th of 2015, she is charged with possession of paraphernalia, speeding, driving while suspended. And in this case, her address is the apartment there in Delphi that everybody loves to talk about that they think that that's where she lived when Abby and Libby were killed. She was not living there in 2017. She violated the terms of her probation for this one case uh, four different times that I could find. She was ordered um, home detention which she violated that as well. By the time the first drug test rolled around, she'd ar- she violated. But she was sent to live with her grandma. It is not close to the bridge at all. In this file, she had a no contact order with this list of people. I think it would be interesting to find out like what this no contact order was all about because of some of the names that were on it. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Andy Alcorns and the craziness that went on with that case and what he did. Someone that knows him is on this no contact order list. If there was any kind of connections, I'm not saying that there are. I just saw that and again, I'm reporting things. In that case, it was a criminal misdemeanor Carroll County. And I would like to also add that, you know, everyone is uh, with this story that's being perpetuated with the Delphi case in that there was some kind of a revenge for drugs. On March 29th of 2016, the 
the reason for her issues at that time, she violated her probation. She failed a drug test. That is the reason that her probation was revoked. And so after that one, then they said, okay, well, you, the supervised probation isn't working out. So they put her on in-home detention at her grandma's, which she violated again by failing a drug test. So they reissue a warrant for her arrest. And then on June 21st of 2016, she admits to these allegations in court. There's a hearing held and she is to serve the balance of her sentence, 143 days of the previous order executed sentence in the Carroll County Jail. The defendant is remanded into custody of the Sheriff of Carroll County. Then we go to September 17th of 2015. She's charged with possession of marijuana, possession of paraphernalia. Carroll County, it's a criminal misdemeanor. Converted into the last case that you just heard me read to put all of those three that you just heard me talk about together the guardianship the two criminal misdemeanors in Carroll County that were converted into one case all of the dates are the exact same and the guardianship date is when case was opened as a new filing But if you look at the guardianship date, at least up until with the information that we have on this one, September 29th of 2016 was when the petition for emergency temporary guardianship was filed. That date is right after her probation violation and the charge of criminal misdemeanor. The reason this case kept going and going is because she kept violating, like I said before, she kept violating the conditions of her probation for failing drug tests. Next one, White County. She's at the address of her family for theft on March 18th of 2018. The judgment is entered and sentence imposed. She pled guilty and this is another converted case. It appears that this is still an open case. They issued a warrant for her rearrest on April 11th of 2019, which would have been after she was arrested, so it would make sense that she would be violating probation yet again who went by Ash Lay in parentheses AG. Her cover photo says, Don't blame a clown for acting like a clown. Ask yourself why you keep going to the circus. It has her listed as a former lifeguard at Indiana Beach. She lives in Delphi, and she's from Delphi. And from what I had screenshotted, because again, she did delete her account, and another friend had screenshotted on January 31st at 5.31 p.m. She posts a post with 16 photos, and it says, Never a goodbye, but a new beginning, 100% check. In the pictures, it appears she does have a black eye. It appears she has some bruising on the side of her neck. And in the comments, she says, Well, I mean, I have mentioned that someone tried to kill me. Not dramatic, but literally, and then flipped my truck. But he came back, and I got hit in the face again. My problems have been recently solved. Now remember, this was on January 31st. On January 20th is when Garrett Kurtz was arrested for strangling her in domestic battery. Goes on. 
on and then we do see that Nicole and Ashley go back and forth. I'm not going to read them because I really can't understand them. I don't know what half the words mean. I would need an urban dictionary to decipher it. But the gist of it is they were fighting back and forth and clearly not getting along. I did not screenshot anything in between that last one of January 31st and March 14th. But on March 14th at 8.53 p.m., Ashley shared a uh, meme. I'm not sure what you call them. And you can share different quotes from those pages. On March 14th at 8.53 p.m., it says, You gotta know your worth, even if it gets a little lonely sometimes. On March 15th, at 7.04 p.m. Now remember this time, 7.04 p.m. Ashley tags herself with Garrett Kenneth Kurtz. The post says, here it is again, more evidence he's a fag. That is a quote. I would never use that word, but that's what it says. It is a screenshot of someone asking her in Messenger, and the message says, at 9.23 p.m., this person, a male, messages her and says, was that you on Garrett's phone? She replies, what? I'm not with Garrett. What are you talking about? He replies, oh my bad. At 9.24 p.m., he replies, he asked me for some dick pics, was worried. She replies, a bitch was on his phone. Wow. Now remember, the post, not the screenshot, but the post was posted on March 15th at 7.04 p.m. But the screenshot, it shows her phone, it shows her battery is at 6%, and it says 9.36 p.m. You can't post a screenshot on the 15th at 7.04 p.m. that you took at 9.36 p.m. She also adds to this in a post a screenshot of Garrett's online history and it is dated March 11th. It says Android system telecom server at 2.43 visited Facebook via Chrome at 2.36 p.m. and then at 2.31 p.m. used Grinder gay chat. Because remember the timing of this. On the 12th at 10.29 is when Ray and Cher are started messaging back and forth and he had mentioned that someone had hit him up in a message and we do believe he was killed sometime on the 13th. Here she is posting this. On March 19th, Ashley posts a meme, isn't it scary knowing that any time could be the last time you talk to someone? Always keep that in mind. Same day, don't be mad when someone else starts to appreciate the person you took for granted. What you won't do, someone else will. Another meme, same day. On a serious note, the only thing life is teaching me is that I can really do this shit all by myself. March 21st. Ladies, you know what make a dude care when you don't. You don't find your worth in a man. You find your worth within yourself and then find a man who's worthy of you. Remember that. March 23rd. Another meme. An apology without change is just manipulation. March 24th. Another meme. Me shutting down is far worse than me blowing up. I promise. March 24th. Another meme, do you ever think about shit you did in the past and just go, why the blank did nobody punch me in the face? 
God, I wish they had. On March 29th, she shared something, but the content was not available. And her grandma says, oh my love, I wish I knew what that was. On March 29th of 2019, at 8.52 a.m., she shares a meme. I need one of those long hugs where you kind of forget whatever else is happening around you for a minute. Wow. Someone asked her if she paid her MasterCard bill yet on this post. I don't know, is that like code for something or did she just need to pay her MasterCard? Strange. And then her very last post was the day that she was arrested on Wednesday, April 3rd at 2.10 p.m. And we deserve some good after all the shit we've been through. You've got to be kidding me. Like, their Facebooks seriously make me so angry. You know, and she is arrested, like, for murdering, brutally murdering someone. They're just a, it, the oxymorons I could come up with for these idiots. Oh, man. Garrett Kenneth Kurtz, age 21, from Lebanon or Brookston. Garrett Kurtz was arrested on April 1st of 2019, and he was formally charged on April 5th of 2019 for the murder of Nicole Bowen. His first charges appear to be in 2016. They were converted, so I'm guessing it was converted because he was a minor. Any kind of criminal record that you have does not become available until you are of legal age, which in Indiana is 18 years old. His first one is leaving the scene of an accident, and this was in White County with Robert Guy. He entered a guilty plea on June of 2016. On 12-20-16, his probation was terminated but then we turn right back around and in Boone County but the Brookston address is listed March 23rd of 2016 operating a vehicle while intoxicated endangering operating a vehicle while intoxicated operating a vehicle with a schedule one or two controlled substance public intox improper headlights driving left of center um, the defendant was remanded back into custody on March 24th of 2016 he bonds out on March 29th of 2016 with a special death benefit fund. The case was delayed. He was given supervised probation and ordered to pay restitution and a drug and alcohol program, which he completed on February 28th of 2017. There is a petition from probation for a violation to revoke probation with a warrant request March 1st of 2017 with a cash bond of $2,000. There is a motion to recall the warrant as the defendant appeared in person on his own recognizance. They did recall. The state objected to the recall of the warrant and the order denying the motion to recall arrest warrant was accepted and there was a hearing on March 28th of the violation of probation and on March 29th of 2017 the warrant was served. Again, set bond. Appears he bonded out in April of 2017 and then again in May of 2017 he violated the terms of his probation and his bond was reinstated. A warrant for his arrest and the arrest warrant was served 
on October 6th of 2017. He completed the terms of his probation on February 16th of 2018. But he still has a balance due, and since that balance that's due is a violation of the probation terms, he should have an outstanding warrant for this case that started in 2016. I found this with a lot of these cases. They literally, they're all converted because they never, they're charged with an initial charge, but they keep violating probation. They keep getting in more trouble. So each case keeps getting turned into the next case based on county. The next one we have is Tippecanoe with a felony six at the Springboro address. In Brookston, he is remanded to the Tippecanoe County Community Corrections, which is where we believe that he met Nicole because she was there as well. And he is charged with resisting law enforcement, but the defendant draws or uses a deadly weapon. He is sentenced on the resisting law. It is a plea by agreement. His term was 365 days. 185 days suspended and $183 in court costs, unsupervised probation for 185 days, so he served no time, and this case actually does end. The defendant was compliant. It appears that he finished his TCCC on September 6th of 2018, so yes, they were there at the same time. He's next charged in February of 20, February 28th of 2017 with a possession of a synthetic drug or a lookalike. This is also a converted event because they just keep violating probation over and over again. And this charge was originally, and it's confusing because this one is in White County, but the charging date is 2-22 of 2017. So February 27th of 2017, he's charged with possession of a synthetic drug. But he's also charged on January 29th of 2017 with possession of a synthetic drug, which is a criminal misdemeanor, Brookston address, White County. He fails to appear on May 11th, and he is transported for charges in Boone County. There's an order for transport in here, and it just says, White County Sheriff files return of transport order as completed on 2-15 of 18. I mean, it just goes on, guys. On January 20th of 2019, that's when he's charged with the felony six, the strangulation of Ashley, which is still an ongoing case where they are pursuing a conviction in this case, which makes you wonder why, if Carroll County can do it for something that would hold less or equal to the charges that White County could file against him at this time, why is White County not doing that? If Carroll County is willing to take on the expense for something and, and go ahead and charge him, even though he may be sent to life in prison without the possibility of parole for the murder of Nicole, that's what I think a lot of us are so confused on as to why there are no charges on him against Ray in any form. He has admitted to killing him. He says it was an accident. Here we know he is a known liar. He also said with that was an accident too. It's a girl fight gone wrong. Blah, blah, blah. You know, the series of unfortunate events of Garrett Kurtz and everything else appears to be everybody else's fault in this kid's life. You can find him on YouTube fighting, breaking the law and, and other. Just kind of a troubled 
and he will for the strangulation of Ashley and the order to transport from the Newton County Jail is already in there. There's also an order to transport the victim, which would be Ashley from the Newton County Jail. Pre-trial conference is scheduled for August 18th of 2020 and a jury trial is scheduled for August 24th of 2020 at 9am. But yeah, it appears that they are going to hold him accountable, which has happened with a couple of the other ones. This is boring, but I feel like it really gives you an insight into these suspects. Just literally from the first time they got in trouble, he has not been not in trouble with law enforcement. And I know that his record does extend on back before he turned 18. So this is a kid that just was in trouble a lot. He hasn't been charged with any methamphetamine charges like the rest of them, just the synthetic drug, which I would assume would be spice. Garrett's Facebook. It does appear they were together in September of 2018. A bunch of, you know, mushy, you're the world, my sunshine. About 11 photos of the two of them together. His profile is of the two of them. And then on January 15th of 2019, he shares a meme from one of his friends. Don't get mad when you see me doing what I was trying to do with you with someone else. And it's a picture of a couple. She's sitting on his lap and they're cuddling. So maybe that was the trouble in paradise. He posted on January. This was a kid that posts every day. Most of the content was just sharing other people's memes and things and quotes that he posted posted on January 20th of 2019 and then he did not post again until January 29th of 2019. So I'm assuming that that was the short amount of time that he was in jail for the strangulation of Ashley Garth. And what he shares, I've never loved anyone like I love you. Please never leave me. I need you. This goes on and on. He shares a picture of him and Ashley on January 29th of 2019. So he was really busy that day sharing relationship goals. It's an emoji and it's a crying emoji with the Ashley, which is she would have been tagged in it if her Facebook had not been taken down. And it's a picture of the two of them. He says on there, I hate you. I can't believe you. I love you. Does that matter? Evidently not. See, it doesn't. Again, on January 29th, never try to up someone's life with a lie when yours can be destroyed with the truth. Every woman deserves a man who respects her and every man deserves a woman who appreciates his effort. Again, these are all on the 29th. Your apology needs to be as loud as your disrespect was. Maybe I'm scared because you mean more to me than any other person. You are everything I think about. And on January 31st, even though the post has been deleted, so I don't know what it used to say. It says, Ashley, nothing's good about her. He tags her in a post from a friend who was coincidentally arrested around the same time as them for dealing in methamphetamine. When it says, never let anybody half love you. Really, it just kind of reads as him, I'm not sure, trying to blame her for what happened. On February 1st of 2019, the message says, Ashley, if you're not coming, I need to know. His friends are saying, you should already know that answer. February 3rd, don't push someone away and expect them to still be there when you're ready. February 3rd, he shares a picture 
of the two of them with matching outfits on and it says what has happened to us something so precious and cherishable is slowly drifting away oh how my heart aches ash leg february 3rd me shutting down is far worse than me blowing up i promise and then on february 4th it says he got engaged it did used to say that he was engaged to nicole which they took that down the same friend that messaged her ashley about the dick pics actually laughed at this facebook update about him being engaged on february 4th of 2019 i really do think you know everyone wants to think that nicole and him were this like very serious couple and they were in love and they were engaged and I think that was just him trying to make Ashley jealous. I think that he did date Nicole very briefly. Nothing serious, but it definitely wasn't an, a real engagement. Do that on mine. I can be engaged if I want to because he goes on to continue talking about sometimes I feel like giving up. Then I remember I have a lot of mother to prove wrong. He's posting some strange memes with a naked guy on February 6, 2019, Ashley, he tags her in it. I'm tired of fighting for once I want to be fought for. So that's why I say that he was not engaged to Nicole. I think he did that to make her jealous because then why turn around on the 6th and tag her in something about their relationship? I truly think that he was just trying to make her jealous. And then on February 6th, he changed his profile picture back to a picture of him and Ashley. And on February, same day, on February 6th, he tags Ashley. Replacing me is easy, but getting them to do the same shit I did is damn near impossible. February 7th, gotta kill him with kindness, mainly because I'm a felon, can't carry a gun. Yeah. On February 7th, he tags a friend, a male friend, in a post that says, Sorry I took my pants off at your gender reveal party. I thought we were all participating. My February 7th of 2019, officially my 21st birthday, but it's not a happy one at all. I wish I could do this woman wrong like she's done me for the past four years. But let's face it, I'm not made to do the one I love the most dirty. 100%, 100%. Ish. So, if this is to be believed, he's 21 on February 7th, and they had been together for four years. So, that would mean he was only 17 when they started dating. Facebook post was on February 7th of 2019, so we don't really have any context for the time that Ray was killed. I do want to note that his Facebook, he is a boss at horse breaking and training. And I'm not sure if you have taken a look at the horses in his photos. Um, it's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. And it will definitely piss you off because it's clear that these are some abused horses. If you know anything about horses and been around them at all, which I have, you immediately see that these are these are not well taken care of horses. They are underweight. They are, they're broken. They are literally broken and that's definitely not how you train a horse. And we do know that his dad was arrested and served some time over Holly the horse. She's pretty infamous around here. When they found her it's a miracle the horse survived. Her journey was documented on a page. I mean, this horse, it was hard to look at this horse, knowing how all of the other horses that Garrett had 
and seeing the way that they look and the way they duck. When an animal ducks, when you come near them or raise your hand, whether it's to wave or anything, that typically means you've hit that animal. They have no light in their eyes. They're abused. Just point blank, they're abused. Uh, breaking horses is exactly what he liked to do. He liked to break them to the point where they were broken. It says his nickname is Cowboy. They call me Cowboy. Loved by many, hated by most. Cross me and I promise you will regret it. So you can see by their back and forth that they were clearly breaking up, getting back together. We have the abuse happening. He was out nine days later. He did violate again restraining order, the no contact order from the January 20th strangulation against Ashley unless he has, you know, more no contact orders out there against different people, which wouldn't surprise me. But I think it's safe to assume that the charge on 216 of 2019, which reads invasion of privacy, defendant violates an order issued under and it gives the code, which is a no contact order. And that would make sense as to why there isn't anything more from him on his Facebook. So I found a few more things that I want to add to Garrett Kurtz's Facebook info. On November 22nd of 2016, he asks Facebook this, Garrett isn't Garrett without blank. A guy comments and says, your gumdrop. He says, huh, try and make sense, chief. The guy says, I'm talking that centimeter Peter of yours, but trying not to put you on the spot. But here you go, I guess. He, Garrett replies, shit. Did you ever see my dick, you effin' faggot? Probably wanted to, huh, with your dumb ass. Want to ask my girl or my or your mom what I'm working with? Because ya boy packing. And then I won't read the rest. And then the, the guy comments, LOL, I wasn't even in your cottage, kiddo. But every other blank made sure to let the rest of the campus know. You ain't never been about shit every blank at whites done hoed you out and in all seriousness why two dudes worried about another man's package you on some gay shit no one hoed me on my mama the guy replies it started as a joke but you got all insecure on my dead daughter's soul i ain't lying but i'm done talking about it message me when you get in town and we'll handle this then his girlfriend jumps Garrett's girlfriend at the time, which is not Ashley and it's not Nicole, jumps in to try to defend him and, you know, how redneck he is and true through and through and how tough he is and how she saw him whoop his 365 pound brother's ass later on when he, the same guy was arguing with his girlfriend that jumped in. He replied to her, he ain't about to kick no one's ass. That ain't what all the blank in his cottage said the post said Garrett isn't Garrett without blank the only time I ever knew the kid was at White's and at White's if you ask anyone on campus if they know Garrett they say little dick Garrett he never stood up for shit a weak ass blank getting hoed out by anyone except the little kids on my mama I ain't lying um and they just continued to go back and forth 
He, in one of the exchanges, he says, that's why I was engaged to a 23-year-old at 17, living with her, hitting it every night. I got girls on speed dial, but my mama taught me how to be a gentleman when it's needed. And then another guy comes on, and he says, I mean, I was in group shower with the guy, and he said that while he was at wherever this place is. I bring this up because um, I would really like to know where White's house is and where all of these boys were at that someone said that he got passed around this place. August 24th of 2016, he's writing about a friend that has passed and he says today's gonna be hard 25 today bub seems just like yesterday we were bailing hay for mirrors and laughing so hard we were all falling in the wagon i miss you so much bro you were who i called whenever i had a problem who my parents called whenever they needed help with something rest easy stephen masterson i will always miss you it appears that stephen masterson died in september of 20 14. Garrett does say in another post that he was there on December 25th of 2016. I witnessed you hit the guardrail. I was right behind you in my truck. I called in the ambulance. I checked your pulse. I waited there with you until law enforcement got there. And there's no real proof of any of this, but you have to wonder, because it was a converted event, leaving the scene of an accident. Did he, he says he called the ambulance, but did he like bail out on his friend? Was he involved in, I'd really like to know more about this accident to see what happened there. His page is just a script for insecurity, complete insecurity, just the constant victim. There was someone that told a story in the group. She tells the story about how he had these two dogs that he was abusing and they took him in and he, they, well, he threatened to kill his own family over it, but the dogs were highly abused. That's what she said. And I found a picture of these two dogs. I freak, I, oh my God, like I hate animal abuse. I, I'm so passionate about rescue and these two dogs flip and break my heart. They are in cages, just as she said, and they're underweight and <laughs> this, you just see all of the signs of a complete psychopath you know, abusing animals, at least two confirmed where you can actually see the evidence of their abuse and hear it from his own family of the abuse against animals. His dad has been arrested for Holly the horse. I mean, it's just like, you know, series of unfortunate events of the makings of a, of a serial killer. Check all the boxes. I know a lot of people don't think that Garrett was gay. I personally think that he was. And I think that a lot of his insecurities stem from that. He could not be who he truly was because of just the way rural Indiana is. The, you know, toxic masculinity. I hear my kids talking about that. Well, I don't really buy into it completely. In some senses, that toxic masculinity is very true and I think it fits with him of you are expected to be A, B, C, and D but you're not. 
to me, his whole Facebook page, which, I mean, he just pretty much lays out his every day-to-day life, and you can literally tell from when he was in jail and when he wasn't, just from his Facebook page. He is clearly trying to make it appear that he is this tough guy, this macho, beat everybody up, redneck, farm boy, breaker of horses, get all the chicks, but yet when you look under the surface, and even just with the memes, like you see this insecure little boy, to me anyway, that is has an identity crisis. FBI profiler would say about, you start with abusing animals. I don't know, that's just my thoughts on it. It just seems like he, if you can hurt a domestic animal that is dependent on you repeatedly and with different animals why are we shocked that he killed two people and strangled another and who knows what else the kid has done why are we surprised it's not shocking in the least i don't know that's just my thoughts on it kid had a warrant out on him during the time that ray and nicole were murdered he was let out repeatedly they get probation. Maybe the first time, but repeated violence and like violence against the police? I mean, it's just crazy. Christopher Mathis, age 27 at the time of his arrest. On April 5th, a warrant for the arrest. On April 8th of 2019, which was a Monday, Christopher Mathis was arrested in Zinesville for his role in Nicole's murder. Appears to be a native to the Newton County area, Kentland. His first charge was on December 30th of 2009. He was charged with possession of paraphernalia. His address is listed as Kentland on 1st Street, which is right by where the courthouse is. He is next charged with a criminal misdemeanor in Newton County. On August 29th of 2011, possession of marijuana, possession of paraphernalia. He violated his probation one time. He was sentenced to 71 days incarceration. And the next one is in Orange County, basically establishing paternity and child support. This poor mom of his kids, I mean, she has, and she's still trying to get this back child support that he owes as of this summer. Finally, it's been dismissed. I don't know if it will become when he gets out again, but he owes almost $30,000 in back child support. That's ridiculous. Throughout all of this, there are documents, handwritten documents that he he has submitted to the court, which, man, if this is his writing, he writes like a girl. I don't know. I don't, I don't know many guys that put circles where their eyes are, like a circle instead of just a dot, but it's basically asking the judge at multiple different times, him saying, oh, I was in jail during that time, so can we have a continuance? Just three different letters. His address on this one was listed as a Lafayette address, but again, it this case goes back to 2013, but it appears at some time he did live in Lafayette, Indiana, and like I said, it has just recently been dismissed in July of 2020 because he's incarcerated and still can't pay the almost $30,000 that he owes. His next charge was a Class D felony, Newton County as well. The same address there on First Street was April 19th of 2020. 
2014 for possession of meth, possession of marijuana. The It's a converted event, so it does not say what his sentence was or on that one. On the next one, he actually made the paper. He was 23 of Lafayette, soon found himself on his way to jail, accused of having synthetic marijuana with a prior conviction, reckless possession of paraphernalia, and unlawful possession of a syringe. Because Mathis had a six-year-old child in his car, he also faces a preliminary charge of neglect of a dependent, and he also faces a charge of leaving the scene of an accident for the initial hit-and-run accident. This was reported at JC Online by Ron Wilkins on October 29th of 2015. His car matched the description of the car that struck a parked car at about 9.30 near the mall. So the police pulled him over and he took them on a little chase. So the court case is Tippecanoe County criminal misdemeanor. His charges were October 28th of 2015, failure to stop after an accident with with unattended vehicle, possession of paraphernalia. If he fails to comply, an arrest warrant will be issued, which is what happened on September. September 15th of 2017, the next warrant was served. He bonds out by the 21st of September. They try to mail him something and it is returned because he does not live here anymore at that Lafayette address. On October 30th of 2017, yet another petition to revoke because of a probation violation was entered. The warrant was served on June 2nd of 2018. He posts bond. June 6th, they set another hearing. He is served with yet another warrant. This one was from September 11th of 2018. He violated again, and the new warrant was served to him on March 12th of 2019. On March 13th of 2019, 2019, the defendant appears in custody on failure to appear for sentencing. So on March 13th, which is the day that we believe Ray Hanish was killed, he was just getting out of jail. On March 13th of 2019, they have a hearing on his failure to appear. The defendant is to report to the Tippecanoe County Community Corrections for pretrial release by March 15th of 2019 and recommends day reporting with transfer to Newton or LaPorte County. And then on April 2nd of 2019, an order is issued for his arrest in Tippecanoe County with no bond. He did have a hearing on this one in December, December 10th of 2019, which he did appear for. He sent them some correspondence in March of 2020. And I'm assuming that this is still an open case on him. It doesn't say whether what his sentences will be, but he should be facing more prison time, more jail time over this violation as well. And then we come to Tippecanoe County, a criminal misdemeanor. His address is listed in Newton County Jail. He is charged with theft on November 21st of 2015. 
He appears in custody on February 16th. His address again in Pheasant Run Drive in Lafayette, Indiana. He pleads guilty and for the theft he is sentenced to 365 days. 365 days suspended. What a shocker. He is sentenced to probation and he is ordered to spend 10 days in the Tippecanoe County Jail. He had a credit though so he served 5 days. And then he was put on unsupervised probation back in Tippecanoe County February 15 2016 a possession of paraphernalia pled guilty on April 15th of 2016 and he was sentenced to 180 days in the custody of the Tippecanoe County Sheriff the court suspends all fines and 160 days of the sentence of imprisonment and places the defendant in the custody of the Tippecanoe County Sheriff for a period of 20 days with good time credit the court finds that the defendant has served the time and is order released on his own recognizance in this cause only and ordered placed on 344 days of unsupervised probation yet again on january 18th of 2017 the petition to revoke is filed for a violation of probation he is non-compliant with the tippecanoe county court services files a non-compliance failed to appear on february 14th of 2017 he fails to appear he's issued issued a warrant again he's be he's to be transported here after his he has served his sentence in newton county like his cases are so hard to follow because they're all like just conversions like he's never not in trouble from the first time Yes, so it, it does appear that the reason that he did not show up for the hearing, it's sent for review, and he's ordered to contact the Tippecanoe County Probation immediately upon release from custody. The next one is a in Newton County for a felony six. On January 18th of 2017, a possession of meth. Address as the First Street in Kentland. 2017, he... He has granted his motion to resolve another pending issue in Tippecanoe County. Tip July 5th of 2017, his court hearing says the defendant guilty to offense of possession of meth, felony 6. Court sentenced the defendant to 18 months in the Department of Corrections. Court grants the defendant credit for 336 days towards his sentence. So... That's why this leads me to believe that in February, he was still... Because even with credit of half of that, he would have been incarcerated in February 2017. So he is not the bridge guy, nor was he involved. During the time that Abby and Libby were murdered, he was in Newton County Jail. And as far as Christopher Mathis's timelines... And when I had that S on there, buddy, I mean it. Like, this dude had more Facebook profiles. I don't know if he forgot his password. I don't know. But he has... I think there was nine. It's a stupid amount for one person. So there's no real way to... That I'm going to even attempt to touch that with a 10-foot pole. And try to put that together... Although, there are some conflicting things. So, we read that in that report where it says that he was released on March 13th. 
He's posting on Facebook on March 7th. So I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure about maybe he was let out before on his own recognizance before he met with the pretrial. Who knows? Could be somebody else was posting. Sure looks like Christopher Mathis to me. I mean, he has very distinct tattoos that you really can't miss him. I mean, he's got Odin dialect across his neck. One of them I did want to note was, again, these... <laughs> They love memes, buddy. They sure love their memes. But on March 6th of 2019, he shares, seriously, WTF is so wrong and bad about me. I just want a chance at enjoying life and fulfilling my own dreams and goals and chasing my own ambitions. Yet here I sit, waiting and wondering. Sad face. And then there was another post. I'm not going to like read it word for word, but it was basically him and a girlfriend. Her name is Brittany, but it is a different last name, so I'm not sure if it is the same one that he was with when he was arrested. He was out to dinner, and her kids were in the picture, and his kid's mom's relative got on and basically just called him out on it, and this Brittany girl buddy, man, she was defending her man. It... I mean, you saw how much he owed. $30,000. And it's all just, he give him a chance. He's such a good guy. Again, it boils down to those make better choices. I, I don't know what else to say. April 6th, Christopher Mathis is feeling positive. Yeah, buddy. Texas bound it is, already at the train station, beyond pissed the fork off, trying to explain and tell y'all this is gonna be the first legit time that I'm fully innocent. No, I will not speak to anyone but an attorney and some co-counsel. His girlfriend, Brittany Garrity, she was named in the paper, remember? The post says, Fresh as hell, with the feds watching, miss this guy like crazy. And they post a picture of themselves to Facebook. Like, she was trying to throw law enforcement out. This is the actual the picture that they used, you know, try to find him. And, of course, he was not in Texas. He was hiding under her bed. The ridiculousness of that is something. Up next is Talitha Beckley. The last one charged. She was 36 at the time of her arrest for her part in Nicole's murder. On April 9th, a warrant is issued for the arrest of Talitha Beckley. And on April 12th, of 2019, which was a Friday, Talitha was arrested. Her criminal history is so long. I mean, it's ridiculous. Her criminal history started from what I could find on my case in Docs Pop. It started with her first charge of a Class C felony on August 22nd of 2006. Her address is listed as a as North Street in Logansport. Indiana. Her charge was fraud of a financial institution and forgery intent to defraud. She was sentenced to four years, four days served, four years suspended, supervised probation for the remaining four years, and ordered to pay 
the bank back the $6,992 that she tried to steal, apparently. The next one is paternity, but I just wanted to mention that they lived on West 500 North in Delphi, Indiana, when this petition was entered, and she lost her kids. She lost her kids in November of 2019. The one that likes to go by Mother Bear lost her own kids. By all accounts, her kids and her their dad seem he doesn't have any record that resembles hers whatsoever. Her kids are they've actually been in the news like one of her daughters just good grades and some other activities that she was involved in. It's pretty sad that they've had to deal with their mother being who she is and all that she's done. Now we skip over to Cass County, a Class D felony. She was charged on February 6th of 2011 with maintaining a common nuisance, possession of marijuana, sentenced to 180 days, 90 days credit. So yet another converted event. Then her... Her probation was transferred from Carroll County. Her address is listed as Raccoon Circle in Monticello. This was in October 27th of 2011. No charge, but just a transfer of probation. Just trying to establish where all she's lived. Monticello is in White County. So again, no stranger to prosecutor Robert Guy. This is a Carroll County case. Her address is listed as the Hodges Drive in Monticello. On March 8th, of 2014. She is charged with possession of marijuana, possession of paraphernalia. Her attorney was Nicholas McLeland. She is in custody. On April 4th of 2014, she is issued a special death benefit bond. Another converted event from October 8th of 2014. This is her sentencing. She was sentenced to 730 days in custody in the Indiana Department of Corrections. The court finds the defendant has one day jail credit and one day good time and a total of two days credit for time served. The court suspends all of the fines and 460 days of the sentence of imprisonment and places Tippecanoe County Community Corrections for 270 days in 2014, which is work release. January 22nd, of 2015. She failed to appear yet again. Then this is Tippecanoe County, a Class D felony. Her address is listed as the DOC. Her charges, there's a lot on this one. On April 2nd of 2014, operating while intoxicated, operating while intoxicated with at least 15% of alcohol by weight, operating while intoxicated with a prior conviction, no valid driver's license, and they threw in improper headlights. She's released on bond August 23rd, 2017. And then there's another cash bond for February 10th of 2017 in the amount of $225. So she's violated twice, given 460 days of probation. Then on March 4th of 2015, the TCCC files a notice that the defendant has been terminated from their program due to repeat rule violations and non-payment of fees. She is then to serve the 26 days of her balance in custody of the DOC. June 10th 
the state files a petition to revoke her probation. That it then, you know, they set a new bond. She's bonded out. She's told that you have to show up. So on November 28th of 2016, she fails to appear. Yet again, they issue a new warrant for her arrest, and it was served on February 15th of 2017. And then it literally just, like, continues to go on of her failure to... I believe she was arrested on March 13th of 2017 for that warrant because it has a advisement of rights and waiver of rights filed. But I'm not sure because her cases are all literally... They're just one from the very first one. They're all just converted. And so when you're reading it, you're like so confused. She failed to, to appear for the sentence order that was previously... Then on June 19th of 2017, and then a no-bond warrant was issued for her on June 19th of 2017, and she appears in custody on August 22nd of 2017. On August 22nd of 2017, she is given no-bond, direct placement on Tippecanoe County Community Corrections pre-trial release with GPS monitoring, and court approves transfer to White County upon acceptance. On January 29th of 2018, the TCC, the Tippecanoe County Jail, files notice of defendant's failure to report as ordered herein. The court now orders no bond warrant without expiration for defendant to serve 120 days in custody of the Indiana Department of Corrections. This was on January 29th of 2018. She was also in the Tippecanoe Community County Community Corrections at the same time that a couple of the other defendants and victim were. So I'm assuming that she possibly could have met Nicole there because she was in there in February and she was sentenced there for 300 and some days. Yet another one in Carroll County, a criminal misdemeanor. She was charged with false informing. Defendant gives a false report of commission of a crime on November 22nd of 2016. Her address is listed as Raccoon Circle in Monticello. This is opened as a new filing in May of 2017. Appears they couldn't find her for a little bit. She is put on probation on January 5th of 2018. So on January 29th of 2018, the defendant appears in custody of the Carroll County Sheriff, and the court finds that the defendant violated the terms of her probation and orders the defendant to serve 44 days of the previous suspended sentence. The defendant is given three days of credit, so she's given 44 days to serve. Article from Newsbug, Traffic Stop Leads to Search Warrant, Nets Arrest. What started as a traffic stop Saturday night, early Sunday morning, led Carroll County area officers to a search warrant which resulted in four individuals arrested on various crimes and charges. At approximately 3 a.m. Sunday morning, Carroll County Sheriff obtained a search warrant based on information gained from an earlier traffic stop. The search warrant was served at a residence located at 6045 North Hodges Drive, Monticello. That's Talitha's address that's listed on her court docs. At that location, police located and arrested occupants there on various criminal and arrest warrant violations. Those persons arrested and their violations are listed herein. Mark Palindo again, Bradley Grigsby, 
22 of Delphi, possession of a syringe, and outstanding warrants. Talitha Beckley, 35, Monticello, outstanding criminal arrest warrant from Tippecanoe County. And John Grib John Grigsby, 48, Maryville, false informing. Bradley Grigsby and Talitha Beckley remained incarcerated in the Carroll County Jail. Mark Polindo posted bond Sunday morning and was released. John Grigsby was released Monday morning and it goes on and I can't read anymore because I'm out of my freebies. They, in this court record, like it's clear they're having trouble locating her between White County and Carroll County. On March 7th of 2019, there's an entry for from White County that says she lives in Carroll County at an address unknown. So again, we really don't know where she lived, but her court case address is listed as the Raccoon Circle in Monticello. This case was dismissed. So we now we move over to Pulaski County. She is sentenced for a felony four address as the Hodges Drive in Monticello. On October 12th of 2018, she's charged with burglary, possession of meth, and theft. On January 29th of 2019, defendant by counsel files a motion to release on own recognizance in proposed order. That was on January 29th of 2019, right? She asked to be released on her own recognizance. I have trouble saying that word. On February 4th of 2019, she is produced in open court. The hearing is held on the defendant's motion to be released. That was filed on January 17th. The state objected and the judge offers the defendant the opportunity to meet with Miss Amanda Cosgrave, pre-child release program coordinator, to determine if the defendant would be eligible for the pre-trial release program and counsel has no objection. On February 20th of 2019, there is a no contact order upon her release that's entered and on February 26th, of 2019 her order was approved so she comes before the court on march 8 2019 and she has served the no contact order she has been accepted into the pre-trial release program at this point and she is released with level four supervision with specific conditions she's released and then on march 22nd of 2019 She's issued a warrant. That's all it says. The date is interesting just with Ray's case and the fact that after all that you've heard with how many times this girl violated the conditions of her probation, how many times she failed to appear, they decided that she's a good candidate for the pretrial release program. They let her out February and then issue a warrant for her arrest in March. March 22nd of 2019. So she had a warrant out on her when Nicole was murdered. The pretrial release coordinator files a petition to release the defendant unsatisfactorily. August 19th of 2019. Could have saw that one coming. On November 26th of 2019, she takes a plea. On January 7th in court for this case, her plea is accepted. 
but her sentencing is not been entered. It does say that court sentenced the defendant as per the terms of the plea. Commitment is ordered. And then it just says sentencing order and abstract of judgment to follow. It does appear that she will be serving some more time after she gets out of prison for her role in Nicole's case in Pulaski County. Good news. This one actually made the papers. Funny article. This article was written by the Pulaski County Journal by Amber Tomlinson. Please stop burglary in progress. A call of burglary in progress led to the arrest of two Monticello people on October 12th. Mark Palindo, 56, and Talitha Beckley, 36, were arrested on several charges after police found them in a residence that wasn't their own. The two were later charged with burglary, possession of meth, and theft. Police were called to a break-in in progress on October 12, 7,000 South Block of State Road 119, the Star City area. Police were notified by the victim's brother that the break-in was occurring. Pulaski County Sheriff deputies, so they respond to the call and found a white Chevy pickup at the residence that didn't belong to the owner of the property, according to the police report. They entered the residence and found a male and female in the living room and hallway. When later asked why they were there, the two said they stopped to take a pee and heard something in the residence. They then went inside to see what it was. Okay. Pulaski County and like this is like the Winnemac area of Indiana and she does have a no contact order for a residence in that area. It's, I'm assuming it's for that whole house but she does have quite a few um, mug shots that you can find and with Talitha as I stated before she loves taking pictures of herself so there's that and the ability to look like a lot of different people just by changing her hair I mean, there's stuff on here, but, you know, it's... She wasn't much of a poster, but there was one that I think it just shows more of her freaking character. The post is from October 12th of 2016. Quoting, After some very in-depth thinking, I've exhausted all possible avenues in how to help a very close friend of mine. I'm now turning to Facebook for insight. This female that I've known my whole life is going through some tough times right now, and I'm at odds with what to do, the situation. My buddy is five months into the most physically painful pregnancy she's ever had to go through. The father of the baby is MIA. She hasn't talked to him in a week and hasn't seen him in three weeks. She's facing 315 days incarceration starting in less than two weeks. Her baby is due in late January, but she isn't scheduled for release until August. Since she will be locked up and there isn't a father or family member able to take the baby, it would be placed in foster care until she gets out, dot, dot, dot. She's losing her mind over this. I don't know what to do. Anybody on here have some advice? Someone asked, who are you talking about? She's talking about herself. She post. She took the time to like post all of that, and then immediately, like in the comments, she says that she's talking about herself. She is the one that's going to jail, and she is the one that is having a baby. And then, in a guy comes on 
think he is the baby's father. He says, I'd love to know what happened to our baby. You were at least 35 weeks pregnant when you say you miscarried. Will you at least tell me where my family and I can go to pay our respects to his, her remains? Or at least respond to the lady with CPS so she can close the case I opened with them about our baby. Hmm. The puzzles. I found at least three profiles for Talitha Beckley. One says that she's from Crystal River, Florida and lives in Monticello, Indiana. And her very last, she updated her Facebook profile March 8th of 2019 to a picture of herself. And before that, she had not posted since February on another profile who friended herself from one of her other profiles. One surefire way to give yourself away that you're trying to be sneaky is to be your own friend on Facebook. I'm just saying. It does say that she is from Logansport, Indiana and lives in Monticello. And another one from, mostly from 2017, where she's talking about missing her girls, which we already know she lost them. And on May 9th of 2017, after one of the longest and most heart-wrenching nights of my life, I'm back on my feet, geek on the edge of my seat, and getting myself ready for whatever life decides to throw at me next. Sheesh gonna go ahead and cut it off right here the rest will be released in a couple more days thank you for listening to cold truth once again thank you taylor for the music y'all have a good one